thank you for joining me. Welcome to Dog Life with No Spoons. It's just me, Jade, owner of Charlie's Way Behavior Consulting today, and here's your friendly reminder that if you're neurodivergent, you may want to listen at one and a half speed. The podcast slides and more information and sources can be found at our website, doglifewithnospoons.com. And if you have any questions or want to join the conversation, you can join our Facebook group, Dog Life with No Spoons. This episode is just going to take a quick look at a recent study. That study is Training Dogs with Science or with Nature, an Exploration of Trainers' Word Use, Gender, and Certification Across Dog Training Methods. This was a study done by Johnson and Winnie, and this was published in 2022. So the researchers wanted to dive more into this topic about looking at the differences in word use and certification and gender between trainers and their techniques, because there has been a little bit of other study in this topic, but not as much as could be. So previously, there's been a couple studies. One was done in 2010 that took a look at the word use between aversive versus non-aversive group setting classes. They found in aversive classes, the instructors talked about telling the dog who's boss and using physical domination, whereas the non-aversive class, the goal was to guide dogs and lure them into position. And I don't think that difference in word use is really surprising for most people who have been around dogs in a professional or owner capacity or has been around any kind of training classes, but it does really highlight that the language that's used in training classes and training books and other materials is very emotionally charged. We could talk about behavior, whether you're using aversives or not using aversives, using the same kind of science-based, definition-based language, Um, but what we see is that they are very emotionally charged on either side of the fence. In 2014, Early et al. took a look at eight different Australian working dog manuals. They pulled out 73 terms to examine within those manuals and to take a look at those were consistent across the different books. And they found out of the 73 terms, only 13 of them were used across all books. And only two books were consistent in the definitions they used between the books themselves. So I think that's a really red flag for the industry overall, um, just that even across similar books, so they were all working dog manuals, They were using very different terms and very different definitions for the terms other than those two that were consistent. Previous studies have also found gender discrepancies noted. So they found that female professionals and female identifying professionals practice more positive reinforcement methods and less aversive methods. And they found that male or male identifying professionals tend to use more aversive methods but there has only been like one or two studies that looked into that. So for this particular study, the researchers just wanted to dive in a little bit deeper. And what they focused on was the communication that the company or the trainer was doing in the form of their company's written philosophy on their website. So on most websites, you can find um, usually like under the about page or the services page, like a little statement about a trainer's ethics or the techniques that they use. So they wanted to look at that and evaluate the word use, um, aversive versus non-aversive, and then also take a look at any gender discrepancies and certification discrepancies. So do people with certifications use more positive reinforcement than people without certifications? And this did focus 
pretty narrowly on people that use diversives and people that did not use diversives. So prong collars and e-collars being the thing that they focused on the most. And I think this is really useful for professionals if you're looking to market yourself more clearly on your website or find things that you should stay away from including on your website that may signal to people one way or the other. And as a consumer, as you're looking at trainers' websites, kind of a couple things to look out for and things to look for if you're looking for a certain type of trainer. The methods that they used to do this evaluation, what they did was they took 10 major U.S. cities and then they went on Yelp and they took the top 10 trainers that were rated on Yelp, which is a third-party rating website. They then went to those trainers' websites and they took the training philosophy off of the website. They took the gender of the lead trainer. So if it was a company that had 10 trainers, it was just like the lead trainer that was the head of the company that they took the gender of. They wrote down the methodology that the trainer was using or the company was using. And then they also wrote down like the certification status of the trainer, if they had them or not. All of these things that they took from the website were then put into a software and that software was what actually did the comparison of statistical value and determining whether there were statistical differences or not and came up with like the associations of words to methodology and gender. And when they say that they wrote down like the methodology of the lead trainer, what they first looked at was the self-statement or that philosophy statement or other places on the website where they could see this person claims pretty clearly that they're force-free or claims pretty clearly that they use aversives in their training. If there was no statement about that on the website, they looked for just tool use. So looking into the trainer's social media or the trainer's pictures or other places on their website. If there was mention of tool use, like e-collars or prong collars, the trainer was labeled as an aversive trainer. There were a significant amount of trainers that the tool use or lack of tool use could not be determined from the website. So they then had to go to reviews on third-party websites like Yelp or Google and take a look at what people were saying in the reviews to determine whether the trainer was aversive or not. So once they uploaded all of this into the software, the software analyzed the training philosophy statements for the frequency of like one to three word phrases to identify codes that appeared often. So these codes were then pulled out and they were used to identify a particular um, importance. So the researchers also labeled a few of them that had reference to like a particular tool or a thematic relevance, like saying balanced is a thematic relevance to being an aversive, including trainer. And then once they had those codes or those phrases that they were looking for that would have more statistical impact, they then looked at the relationship of those codes to the gender and the certification and the aversive versus non-aversive classification. There is, in the podcast resources, a 
graphic that I included, which was um, a visual representation of those codes that they pulled out. And the way that the codes are arranged is how often those codes are used together. So it looks like a giant scatter plot with just a bunch of dots around and some lines connecting those dots. The closer the dots are together to each other, or the more often those phrases are used together. So if you're taking a look at that graphic, you'll see the first part, part A, is a representation of an aversive trainer's philosophy and code use, whereas B is on the right side and is the non-aversive side. So if you zoom in to see it, you'll see that on the aversive side in the middle, really closely grouped together are balanced approach, mother nature slash instinct, and effective. Whereas on the right-hand side, we have effective communication, positive reinforcement, and science. So just from looking at the graph, we can see that there's a notable difference between these two figures on the words that are being used. Moving into the results, just the sort of off-the-top results, when they did the evaluation, so they took, they evaluated 100 trainers or companies overall, 10 from, 10 each from 10 different cities. They found that they had 56 female-led companies, 41 male. They had two husband and wife pairs, and then one that was unspecified. Out of the 100 trainers that they pulled, they identified 55 as aversive and 45 as non-aversive, so about almost half and half. They found 56 of those trainers were self-identifying their technique, non-aversive versus aversive, in their training philosophy statement on the website, which is really accessible and easy to view. However, 22 of them, which is a significant portion, 22% of the trainers that they pulled, could not be identified as aversive versus non-aversive by their website at all. Those are the ones where they had to go to a third-party website like Google or Yelp and start reading the reviews to find the tool use for a trainer. So I think that's a really nice highlight of how careful you need to be doing your research on a potential trainer, especially if you are specifically looking for a trainer that does not use tools or aversives. Um, you may not be able to identify that on a website and you may have to go look at reviews and pictures and things like that to be able to identify if a trainer does use aversives. Um, also is a really big push to ask your questions. You know, what does what happens in a scenario if my dog doesn't comply with the request or what happens in a situation if my dog exhibits aggressive behavior? So you can get them to answer whether they may use aversives in that situation or not. They did find that when comparing the aversive versus non-aversive um, classification that female trainers were significantly more likely to be practicing non-aversive methods and men were significantly more likely to be practicing aversive methods. They did find as well that trainers who were certified, um, and they took a look at the CCPDT, the IAABC, and then the... There was one other that offers a third-party certification in the U.S. And I cannot recall what that is right now. <laughs> um, that'll be included in the podcast website information, though. But they did find that if they held one of those three certifications, that they were much less likely to be using 
aversives in their training. So moving into the codes or the word use of these trainers, because that's really the most important part. The codes that they had identified and were looking for were the words communication, positive reinforcement, correction, behavioral issue, obedience train, effective, balanced approach, real world, prong collar, science, aggression, pack leadership, mother nature or instinct, tool, state of the art or modern, cue, command, shot collar, and stimulation collar. So all very much related to training and behavior modification. There are some that are very like you would expect an aversive trainer to use the word balanced approach while you would expect non-aversive trainers to not use that. Uh, but some of them are very, you would expect to be similar, like behavioral issue or um, possibly cue or command. So what they found when they actually did the evaluation of frequency, out of the 20 codes, communication was the most used between aversive and non-aversive. So communication was just tallied up the most frequently used across all training philosophies. However, the context differed a little bit. So going back to that little scatter plot of the dots connected, the dots are connected for communication differently for aversive and non-aversive trainers. For aversive trainers, the words communication were connected to other words in the context of owners needing to clearly communicate. And for non-aversive trainers, the word communicate was used in the context of positive reinforcement, developing better communication for a handler and their dog. They found the word balanced was only ever used by aversive trainers unless it was from a positive reinforcement stating that they do not use balanced methods. The word effective was used in the context by aversive trainers to indicate that their methods were fast and effective. And then by non-aversive trainers, emphasizing a stronger connection between effective and humane. So with those scatter plots and the dots being connected, for aversive trainers, the dot of effective is connected very closely to fast. And for positive trainers, the word connection is, or the word effective is connected to the word humane. The word correction was used by aversive trainers to refer to their methods. So they were saying like, we will use a correction. And then by non-aversive trainers only to say that we do not ever use a correction. The word tool and real world were mostly used by aversive trainers. And for those situations, it was mostly saying that positive reinforcement is not effective in the real world. And then tool was only used twice by a positive reinforcement trainer to indicate a skill set of the owner. So they were saying that they would give the owners tools to understand and change their dog's behavior, whereas an aversive trainer was using the word tool to say that we'll use tools on the dog and also saying tools are better for the real world since positive reinforcement doesn't have as much effectiveness in the real world. So for there, um, like if you're looking at a website and you see the word tool, you can get a better idea of whether that means a trainer is aversive or non-aversive by looking at the context that that's in. Is it saying that your dog or you will be given 
tools as in skills to navigate an environment or tool as in an actual collar or e-collar. The word mother nature or pack leader was primarily used by aversive trainers and this was to describe their style of trainer as natural since since previously like training has evolved from a view of viewing dogs like wolves um, and a lot of aversive trainers still fall back on that well it's natural kind of reasoning to justify their training. The words science and state of the art were primarily used by non-aversive trainers which it's actually kind of surprising to me because I've had many positive reinforcement trainers both to myself directly and in general discount the use of saying you're a science-based trainer or putting it on your website that you're a science-based trainer since um, quote-unquote science permits the use of both like or shows the effectiveness of both punishment and reinforcement um, but we see that aversive trainers really aren't using the word science or state-of-the-art or modern on their websites or to describe their training. Uh, so it's kind of a counter-argument to the positive reinforcement argument that you shouldn't put it on your website or advertise yourself as science-based uh, because you could be mistaken for an aversive trainer or there are aversive trainers out there claiming to be using science-based methods when they are in fact aversive. And I'm sure there are aversive trainers out there claiming to use science-based methods that use aversives, but for the most part, it is non-aversive trainers who are saying that they are science-based. And then shot collar versus electronic collar. Um, the word shot collar was only used by non-aversive trainers, so positive reinforcement trainers saying that they do not use a shot collar. However, electronic collar was only used by aversive trainers, saying that they use an electronic collar in their training, which sounds a little bit better than a shock collar. So again, if you are a consumer and you're viewing a website and you see a trainer referring to an e-collar as a shock collar, that's a pretty big red flag that that trainer is actually an aversive trainer and it's just an e-collar that they're going to be putting on a dog. They also took a look at the frequency of word use for men versus women, and they found that for the female identifying trainers, the most common words that they used were communication, positive reinforcement, and effective. And for men, the most common words that they used were communication, because that was just the most commonly used across the board, obedience train, and positive reinforcement. So overall, it was a pretty straightforward study with their conclusions, uh, but it does bring to light a couple of differences to be aware of. Men and women do differ in their code use and their training techniques. Code use is not consistent across or within philosophies. So positive reinforcement trainers are not all using the same words. And the words are also different between positive reinforcement trainers and trainers who use aversives. Training philosophies are generally not clear by the word use or even by being posted on the website. So you really do need to be digging in and doing your due diligence to find out what techniques a trainer uses. Um, you cannot just rely on their website. And then only a few codes could actually very clearly distinguish between training styles. So very few of those 20 words could you see on a website and go, I know that's an aversive trainer based just on that word. Um, but they did pull out shot collar versus electronic collar. Like if you see shot collar, mostly it's a positive reinforcement trainer saying that they do not use them. 
And then electronic collar, if you're seeing that, it's most likely an aversive trainer saying it um, in replacement of shock collar. And then mother nature and pack leader are most often, if not exclusively used by aversive trainers to indicate their type of training. I hope this episode gave you a few insights despite being pretty quick. And until next time, stay nerdy.